Uh, I want to ask you a question today. Are you, are you ready? I want to talk to you about asking the right questions. Before we get started, I want you to look over somebody that's decidedly, decidedly better looking than you are and say hello. Would you do that? Always amazes me. There's always a few that says, can't do it. I'm as good as it gets. All right, which, which one of these is the right answer? Are you ready? Oh, I forgot to pose the question, didn't I? See, that's the problem that we face in our world today. You can't find the right answer unless you know the right question. That's why I always like uh, math. I like uh, algebra, geometry, because if you have the right uh, problem, if you have the solution, if you have the uh, solution before you, all you have to do is just plug in the numbers. But if you don't know the solution, you can't get the right answer. And unless we know what the problem is, we can't find what we need to find. See, and that's what the world is doing today. The world has a lot of problems. Have you noticed that? It's like, no, no, I haven't noticed any problems in the world today. Uh, morality is in, in our world is, is just in shambles. Uh, teenage pregnancies, absentee fathers, abortions, alcoholism, drug use, crime is just prevalent. And people look at it and they say, well, and that's just in our neighborhood. But if you look around the world, there's a lot of people in other countries that are afraid to come to the United States because it's so violent, they say. But if you've been looking in at the papers, you notice that even in the streets of Paris, they're, they're uh, arguing and they're, and they're rioting today because of the prices of, of gas and oil. So morally, our country in this world has a lot of problems. And there's a lot of things that, that we are trying to, to do to solve these, these problems, but the reality is none of them work and none of them will ever work. And the reason why they cannot work, they will not work, and no matter how hard we try, is because they're based on the wrong question. See, we're trying to, to supply answers to morality without asking the right question. When you, when you Believe the question is, all we have to do is educate people to be, have them better citizens. You're asking and posing the wrong question. Politically, you know, politically, our, our country's doing great. I, I have a lot of sarcasm today. I apologize for that. Uh, but it, it can, it's, it's amazing. It's just politically around the world. There's turmoil. There's upheaval. There's, and, and people say, you know, if we can just become a kinder, gentler nation, or if we can just all get along. But the problem is there's a lot of, there's a lot of varying opinions about how things should operate and how things should run. And in reality, it's always been that way. And there have been times in the past where people have come together for a short time. But the reality is this. We'll never have peace and harmony politically until we start posing the right question. 
when we think it needs to be Republican or Democrat or Independent or, or, or the Green Party or whatever it may be, we're basing our answers on the wrong supposition. America is just right in the, in the throes of change and, and we think that we can just change it and we can, we can, we can fix our problems. And, but the reality is, as much as it sounds great, as long as we're basing our answers on the wrong question, we'll never make America great again. Are you with me? Economically, nations are on the brink of bankruptcy around the world. Greece, France, Spain are all on the verge of bankruptcy, and they're trying to figure out how to, how to solve their problems by printing more money or, or going farther and farther into debt. The United States here in America, the federal government this year, will owe $21 trillion. Am I making you happy yet? Okay. It, let me break that down for you. $21 trillion. Trillion dollars. That's $3.8 billion per day. $158 million per hour. How would you like to earn that much money? $158 million per hour, every hour. Or if you break it down this, $6.5 million per minute. $6.5 million per minute. That's how much debt the United States is accruing. And all of our efforts to solve the world's economic problems have all failed. And all the solutions that offered are all based on the wrong question. We think that we can lift ourselves up. We think that we can just print more money. We think we can solve the world's problems, but we are failing to ask the right question. Spiritually, Atheism, ag agnosticism, hum humanism, secularism are now dominating our world scene. And, and, and it's focused on in, in our culture that, that you can't even express your, your religious freedoms without being rebuked. Do you realize two out of three people in the world today either have no religion or are involved in a, in a wrong religion? And yet humanity continues to offer solutions to this crisis of, uh, of, of spirituality because they are not based on the right question. See, our free market, socialism, communism, these are all solutions that will not work unless you focus on the right question. And we're never going to find any solutions until we do. So you ask me, well, what is, what is the right question? What is the question so we can find the answer? And that's why we're here today. That's why we celebrate Christmas. That's why in the story that was read from Scripture this morning out of the first chapter of Luke, see, Christmas is about not only the problem of humanity, but it's also about the solution to humanity. If you want to understand how to solve the morality issue, look at Christmas. If you want to understand how to turn your economic system around, look at Christmas. 
If you want to understand how to change and transfer and transition from a spiritual uh, bankrupt society to one that is following God, then look at Christmas. Because in Christmas, it gives us, imposes the right question and gives us the right answer. Christmas is that time of year that we celebrate and, and, and we celebrate the birth of Christ, God's Son, that was born some 2,000 years ago in human flesh. But that raises a question. Why did God have to send His Son? Why did, did, why did Jesus leave the splendor of heaven to live as a mortal man? And it's because of the problem that what needed to be solved. It was the question that needed to be answered. See, Christmas identifies the root of the problem, and the root of the problem didn't begin in Bethlehem's manger. The root of the problem began in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve dropped the ball and sinned, and a death sentence was pronounced on them. It was Captivating not only for their life, but the entire body of humanity was caught up in this thing called sin, this thing called death, this carnal nature that, that you and I wrestle with and fight with and, 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 we, and we struggle with to do what is right, but it's always there within us. See, it's the carnal nature within us. It's that sin nature within us that is causing the, the morality issues in the world. It's the sin nature in us that, that causes us to prefer one person over another. It's the sin nature in us that causes wars and, and rumors of wars. It's the sin nature in us that does not love his neighbor as himself. It's the sin nature in us that we inherited from Adam. If you want to change the world, you have to pose the right question. And the right question is, how do I get rid of this nature of sin? How do I overcome it? How can I have victory over my carnality? How can I defeat death? Not cheat it, but defeat it. There's a difference. Cheating death is one thing, but defeating it is final. It puts it under your feet to never have to worry about it again. See, man is corrupt, and we're in need of a Savior. And it is, it is that question, how can I Walk in light and in relationship with God. See, because when, when Adam and Eve left the garden, when they were expelled from, from paradise, they, they were not able to go back. But they, were not, they not only lost their, their role in, in the garden, they also lost that, that quiet, personal relationship with God. Can you imagine having God come down and walk with you in the cool of the day, every day? Can, can you imagine that? You get home from work, and, and you're, you're, walk, you're working in your front yard, and here comes God. Hey, how was your day? Well, I stubbed my toe. Well, tell me about it. 
Can you imagine the creator of the heavens and the earth that was so concerned about the small things? He loved Adam and Eve. See, we have to understand that that God is a holy God, and when Adam and Eve dropped the ball, his righteousness, his holiness demanded justice, and yet his love for humanity cried out for mercy. And when God's love and God's righteousness clashed, grace was born. Grace was born for you and I. Let's look at the passage of Scripture that that was read to us this morning. He said, In the sixth month, God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. And in this passage of Scripture, you're going to find the word virgin at least three times. And, And it's exactly what you think. She has never had sex in her life. She is a virgin. She is pure sexually. Most scholars believe she was about 15 years old. Contrary to popular opinion, Joseph was probably around 30. Because in the culture during that day, and even in many cultures today, men, you go ahead and they get their business going and then they get married. So here's Joseph, and he's, he's, it's a prearranged marriage. He's espoused to her. He's engaged to her. He loves her, and yet they have never done anything sexually. And here's the angel of the Lord appears to her and says, You are highly favored among women. God really likes you. And it takes her by surprise. And then when the angel says that you're going to have a child, she looks at him and says, How can this be? Sometimes we don't look at the virgin birth as what we really should. See, the scripture says, well, let's read it. The scripture says, but the angel said, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God and you will be with child and give birth to a son and you will to call his name Jesus and he will be great and be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One born in you will be called the Son of God. This is the most amazing, miraculous event in humanity, that a virgin could conceive And that seed was not the seed of man, but God Almighty. And you say, well, so his nature was not only of man, but his nature was of God. That's why we can say that Christ was fully man and fully God. And he came. And when he came, the scripture says he was tempted in all points as we are because his flesh, the man, could be tempted. And yet he was tempted without sin because the nature within him, the spirit of God, that who he is was able to say, no, I am holy and I am righteous and I will not participate in sin. 
And he became the perfect, blameless sacrifice for our sin. That's why the scripture commands us that we must be born again. That born again means that we not only have this carnal nature, the spirit of man, but the spirit of the living God. John 3, 3 says, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. That virgin birth that that we talked about was predicted 750 years before before Christ was ever born. In Isaiah 7, 14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. My friends, today when we think about Christmas, we not only look and say, well, Christ died for us, but he gave us this opportunity to have that spirit which dwelled in Christ to live in us. And the scripture says, if anyone has that spirit of Christ, he belongs to God, that you are the child of God. And if that spirit which raised up Christ lives in you, it will also quicken or make you alive at his return. This is the reason why. See, the, the real question is why and how can we, how can we be born again? And, and why did we need a Savior? And the real reason is simply this. We could not save ourselves, but Christ came. And Christ became one of us, according to Philippians 2. And he walked among us, and he lived among us, and he died for us, and he rose again for us to give us eternal life. And it all became clear and culminated at that point in Bethlehem's manger when Christ was born. See, the virgin birth is so essential to, the, to our salvation, to the new birth. And you ask yourself, why? Why? We know the right answer to, to the world is Jesus. If you, want, if you want to solve the problems of the world, you look to Jesus. If you want to solve the economic problems, the political problems, the government is on his shoulders. He is the righteous ruler of all. He is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. If you want to solve the problems in the world, look to Jesus. Surrender your life to Jesus. Allow him to change you and transfer you from this kingdom to his kingdom. But another question that I would like to pose is why? Why would God do this? You know, I I sometimes I think, and I've mentioned it before, but I, I like the story so much and you can just pretend like I have never told you. You can just smile, it'd be great. But when, when Lucifer and one-third of the angels rebelled against God, he kicked them out of heaven. And do you know what he did to save them? Nothing. Not a thing. He dropped, kicked them right out of heaven. Boom. I think it was J. Vernon McGee said when the, when the devil was kicked out of heaven, he landed in the choir loft. Uh, 
But why? He didn't do anything for them. But here's Adam and Eve, a creation made lower than the angels. And they dropped the ball. And, and, and he moves heaven and earth to save them. Let's make it a little more personal and close to home. Look at your own life. Out of the, what, seven billion people in the world today? Close. Why you? I pose this question to myself a lot. Not why you, but why me? Why me? Why you? Out of all the people in the world, why do we have the privilege of knowing him? Why did Christ come and, and why did he die and, and why did he go through all of this? He, God could have just wiped everything off and he could have started over. He would have wanted to. He's the creator. We're the creation. What right does the creation have to say to the creator, why did you make me like this? Just as, just as if you create something, if you create dinner and you decide you don't like it, you could toss it away and you could start all over. God could have done that with humanity. He could have started over if he would have wanted. But why? Why did he do everything he could to save humanity? And it's found in a simple passage of scripture that you and I know so well. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world. For God so loved Jesse. For God so loved Marilyn. For God so loved March. For God so loved Jose. That he gave. That he gave. We're, we're celebrating Christmas season. And man, I don't know of, of a better way. Because I, I, I'm so excited about not only buying presents, but I'll be honest with you, I love opening presents. Wow. It is so much fun. I've already started giving the hints out of what I want. But what a better way to start this, this season of of festivity of joy of celebrating the birth of Christ than understanding why he came he came to give us life and his motivation was simple pure unadulterated no strings attached love we cannot comprehend the passionate love he has for us the overwhelming love that he moves heaven and earth just to save us that he desires every day of our life just to talk to us that's why we feel throughout the day we'll feel these nudges of the of the spirit to to talk to him it's, it's not because he's wanting us to just necessarily grow stronger he desires to have a relationship with us the creator of all the heavens desires to have a relationship with us. 
So much so that this whole season that we are celebrating can be summed up in one thing. He loves us. And he's willing to die for us, to become one of us, that we can be with him. And I don't know about you, but I don't know of a better way, a better way to celebrate this season than starting with communion, reminding ourselves the reason why he came and the reason why he died so he can have a relationship, an eternal relationship with us. I'm not worthy. Can I give you a hint? Neither are you. But I'm taking it. Aren't you? Can we love him? I wonder if we, I'm going to, Sam, would you guys come? Next week, we'll talk about all the great things about Christmas. We'll throw out candy canes. We'll do all that good stuff. But I'm wondering today if we could just take some time and contemplate this miraculous event of of God becoming man. And we know he's the solution to all the problems in the world, but do do we understand why he came? See, the scripture says that the adversary, the devil, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He tries to steal your joy. He tries to steal your, the truth. He tries to kill your, your emotions. He tries to kill any belief in you that God loves you, that God cares for you. The adversary will try to get you to believe that God does not love you. And yet, here we are celebrating this season this season that demonstrates the love of God that he would leave the splendor of heaven and become part of his creation we sing that song Mary did you know when you kiss the the face of your baby that you're kissing the face of God. I would would pose that question, do we know? Do we know? And can we grasp the love of God? And can we take a few moments today, no matter where our life is, no matter what's going on in our life, can we take a few moments this morning and just love on Him? thank him boy if we could grasp the love the love of God if we can get a hold of it in our heart it will transform us forever I'm going to ask those that are going to help serve communion to please come while they're coming I wonder if you could just bow your head just for a few moments and consider consider the love of God.